Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck nicks, what the fuck nuts, what the fuck sticks, what's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Uh, how you doing? Are you okay? First of all, Stephen Root is on the show today. Stephen Root, the amazing character actor who you've seen in a million things. Too many, all the Coen Brothers movies, Office Space. He's, uh, he's on Barry this season. And... Um, He's a, he's a fucking genius, and he came by to talk. That's happening. Uh, on another note, go to sortoftrust.com to find out where the movie is playing near you. It's still in a lot of theaters and on demand. That's the movie I did with Lynn Shelton, Michaela Watkins, Jillian Bell, John Bass, Toby Huss, uh, Michaela uh, Watkins. Did I say that already? <laughs> See, I don't know. Look, I don't know if I'm... I'm I'm getting Zen or I'm getting dementia. I don't know. I do not know. Oh my God. I just got back from New York. It was a long flight. I didn't sleep much. I was there doing press and eating things I shouldn't. That was on the agenda. I had a schedule. It said, it said do Colbert. It said, uh, you know, do AOL build. Uh, it said, you know, you're going to do some serious radio show and then you're going to do a SAG panel. Uh, with uh, Betty and Allison and you're also going to eat cheese which you don't usually do and don't be afraid to go ahead and stuff your face because you're away from home and yeah you brought your running shoes and your shorts and your running shirt but don't bother going because it's sad in a hotel gym isn't it but maybe if you kind of maybe if you went to a joined equinox no you can't see maybe if you yeah yeah yeah, that's where that was at so that happened I'm okay I'm all right how are you doing? You okay? Everybody good? Also, tour dates, please, Texas. I'll be in Dallas, Austin, and Houston, Texas next week, August 22nd through 24th. You can go to wtfpod.com slash tour for my tour dates uh, upcoming. Yeah, get tickets to the shows if you want to see me. That, that hour, 15, hour and a half is coming along nicely. It's bold. It's fresh. It's crass. It's... um elevated and it's relieving i will say that i was in new york and uh, spent time with betty and allison we had a very nice time i i did a panel uh screen actors guild panel where we, they showed a couple of episodes of the show and then you know we do a little q a and i actually i i don't really know how to advise but uh, i i did have some advice and i'll share that with you in a minute but i did want to uh 
clear some stuff up. On Monday, I talked about the passing of the amazing David Berman of Silver Jews and poetry fame. I, I, I also, uh, when I was in New York, I had a nice kind of uh, hour and a half reflection about David with uh, Matt Sweeney, the guitar player who was much closer to him than I was. Like uh, I said on Monday, I didn't really know him that well, but I was always sort of obsessed with him and his work. And Matt kind of fleshed things out for me a little bit, told me where David was at uh, over the last couple years of his life, and that was interesting. We had a moment of reflection about other people we've known who have uh, died or end their, ended their lives. As you get older, these things happen. It's sad. But the one thing I did want to clear up, because I didn't know for sure, but now I know for sure. Um, the poem I read, the reflections I had about him, uh, were all on the money for me and they come from my heart. But the poem I read that I attributed to David Berman apparently is uh, not the right David Berman. And I want to straighten that out because one thing I've known, uh, I've come to know over the years is that when you pass away, when your time is done here on this planet or the the alive part, it's sort of astounding how quickly that news and that tragedy or, or that passing, however it's, it's experienced, kind of fades into the past. And I think everybody wonders how they're going to be remembered, if they're going to be remembered, what happens in a practical sense after you pass away. Uh, I try not to think about it. I imagine most of us try not to think about it. But one thing that uh, I, I would want to hope doesn't happen is that if I have some work out there that is ambiguous in terms of uh, it being confused with someone else's work or or mislabeled as someone else's work or not separated and it's put out into the world as yours that would be that would be a bummer if I was dead and that happened to me that would bum me out so a couple of people emailed me and apparently there was a blog post by the David Berman that, uh, that uh, passed away a week or so ago from the Silver Jews, from Purple Mountains, from poetry. And um, it, it was dated May 29th, 2009. This was a blog post by the late David Berman, who I talked about. And it just says, FYI, colon, other David Bermans. David Berman, the plastic surgeon who reattached John Bobbitt's penis. David Berman, mobster and co-owner of the Flamingo Hotel with Bugsy Siegel. David Berman, graphic designer, author of Do Good Design, a book on ethical standards for graphic designers. David Berman, the theoretical physicist. David Berman, television actor, CSI. David Berman, the Irish philosopher. David Berman, 1934 to 2017, was an attorney, an accomplished poet who's very different from my own poetry, is nevertheless often a credited to me uh, three of his poems and here is his book all these are links to what i'm the things i'm reading off at this site the first nine poems are by him the next five by me far be it from me to stand in the way of another david berman and then there's david berman with an h the electronic music pioneer and minimalist composer here is his record unforeseen events now the site that he's referring to is a site where I went because I couldn't find the book, his book right away because it's in a pile with a th how, like a thousand books downstairs. 
uh, which are you know in the middle of of transition, waiting to be reconfigured uh, on shelves when I get the new studio up and running. But the poem it's poemhunter.com that has both David Berman's poetry lumped together. So to honor the David Berman, who I kind of knew and appreciated his work and know a lot of his work, I needed to make sure my heart was straight, read one of his actual poems. Now, I think the sentiment of the poem I read on Monday fits uh, some of, of the things that David Berman, the guy I know, thinks about, but it was not his poem. And there was no reason to freak out. Many people made this mistake in remembering and blogging about the Silver Jews, David Berman, Purple Mountains, David Berman. So this is a corrective. I'm trying to help this culturally. There's a cultural corrective. And you heard it from uh, from uh, from that blog post I read from David Berman, the, the guy who passed away a couple weeks ago. And this is a poem by that David Berman, the guy I was eulogizing and remembering on Monday. This is called Snow. Walking through a field with my little brother Seth, I pointed to a place where kids had made angels in the snow. For some reason, I told him that a troop of angels had been shot and dissolved when they hit the ground. He asked who had shot them, and I said, a farmer. Then we were on the roof of the lake. The ice looked like a photograph of water. Why, he asked, why did he shoot them? I didn't know where I was going with this. They were on his property, I said. When it's snowing, the outdoors seem like a room. Today, I traded hellos with my neighbor. Our voices hung close in the new acoustics, a room with the walls blasted to shreds and falling. We returned to our shoveling, working side by side in silence. But why were they on his property, he asked. That is a poem by the late David Berman, who I talked about on Monday. And... I'm glad I feel better now. I hope he does too. If there is that possibility that I wasn't one of the ones that misrepresented his poetry. Okay. All right. Okay. Folks, listen to me. Seriously. uh, Having grown up in a house. Hi, Buster. Come here. Just let me finish this. What are you doing? Huh? What? All right, just can I finish d- doing this? Let me just finish this. What? Okay. Hey, um, okay. I grew up in a house with mental illness, and I need... Please, please try to take care of yourself for, for everybody's sake. Please. And if you need help, get help. Please get help. There's help. Subject line, finding beauty in darkness. Hey, Mark, I've listened since the beginning and I've struggled with depression and alcoholism for a long time, too. Your show has helped me through many times I didn't know if I would make it through. I was never a big fan of Silver Jews, just didn't connect at the time. But listening to your eulogy for David Berman, I went and listened to the new record of Purple Mountains. I was probably on death's door with two young kids at 40. I immediately locked in with the beautiful darkness. Thank you. It's perhaps oddly the thing I needed to make my way past my troubles, or at least to reach out to those who care about me. Nothing profound. Just want to thank you. I'm still alive, and my kids have their father. Thanks. Nathan. 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 
Please get get more help than a record. Okay? Please. Oh my god. I'm just concerned, man. I'm just the the mind is a fucking who knows what's going on up there. But if it's not but if it's like misfiring and and you know things are bleak and dark and they're happening inside your head, not outside, you know, try to try to get some help. So, look. I um I don't know if I've told this story. I probably have, and I don't know. It's not really my place to help anybody in in a conscious way. Like you know, here's some here's some advice. Buster, 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 stop it, Buster. What are you doing? What are you doing? What is that noise? Hey, what what? What are you doing? Just hang out a minute. I'm working here. All right. So, <sighs> fucking cats, man. So I do this panel, and uh, it's it's actor specific. And you've you've heard me here learning how to act from people I talk to and doing yeah, whatever. I'm glad everyone likes Glow. I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of all the work I've done lately. But you know, my training is limited. But I've had a lot of experience over the years with almost acting and things. And the question was really if we if the three of us had any advice for the audition process. Now, Allison and Betty have done this a lot more than me. They've been on a lot of auditions. They give very you know sort of productive sort of uh, uh, ways of framing the audition process and and what you're really in and, and how it works and you know the feeling of auditioning for the same people over and over again like casting agents and then sort of like making the most of the audition process because that might be the only time you get to act that particular role and then like I felt like I needed to say something and I and I and I I gave some advice that I gave to Conan like a million years ago like after like he was in maybe his first year of uh of the show and i told him my current mantra at the time which was hide the hate and i told that to the actors i said uh, well when you go into that room you got to hide the hate got a big laugh i think it's practical i'm not saying that people are hateful i'm just saying that you know when you're being judged and you're insecure and you're scared uh why not resent with malice maybe not with malice or at least resent the people that have complete control of your future in that moment how can you not? Maybe that's my problem. But I also shared this story, and I, I, I must have shared it at some point. Early on in my career, you know, when I was just an angry comic that, you know, really, yeah, people didn't really know me. But, you know, I'd, I'd done, I think I'd done a little TV, but I, I, I was intense and uh, kind of shocking and jarring and, you know, not really defined, but people thought they could get a handle on me like a, uh, agents and managers thought well he's the cranky guy no i was i was really kind of um unbridled uh, unformed without boundary and furious i don't know why oh i do know why but it doesn't matter it's it was a lot of things i'm older now i can't even remember how long ago this was got to be i must have been in my early 20s maybe mid-20s Somehow or another, there was a show casting and it was uh, like a behind the scenes. Uh, the show was to take place almost in a Larry Sanders kind of way behind the scenes at a at a music video network. 
and I played a director or producer, my part was. So somehow or another, I'd made it to the network callback, which is really the the last stop before you get the gig. And it was it was heavy duty. It was at the network. You know, usually with those things, you go in for people from the network. You go in for casting people, but it's mostly producers, the writers. Like it's a big deal. It's like it's the last stop before you're like you got the gig. I saw some actors I recognized there, and I don't know, man. You know, I would freak out about fucking everything. This is what I realized in New York, and what I'm realizing in my life, and realizing with performing and just my job in general is I'm not that freaked out. You know, to, to to go on Colbert, to go on those shows, I used to make myself crazy. I mean, I'm going, I'm going over to Corden today, and I don't even know what I'm wearing. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about, and I don't give a fuck because it's going to be fine. They'll tell me when I get there, but that took 30 years. Well, anyway, so this character, this this monologue I got to do is like this guy losing his shit basically at another person. And I don't know where I was at, but I, I know that, you know, I had no control over my talent. I didn't, I, I had no parameters. I didn't understand what it was. And, and, and the same with my emotions. And also, you know, the same with my substances. So I'm about to go in for this reading uh, of this monologue and the casting agent comes up to me and she's like, when, when you go in there, you know, just... Um, you know, just go for it. You know, you know this this guy's angry. He's raging. Uh, you know, you can just go for it. And for some reason, I thought she said, "Go unload the entire anger of your entire life in that room inappropriately, uh, without even remembering the lines of the character in front of a bunch of executives." That's what my brain heard. Go in there without any sense of character, any sense of what the scene is, and, and do this, this monologue with all the rage that is accumulated in your heart, mind, and spirit over the last, I guess, 20-some-odd years of your life at that point. And I went in there, and she walked me in and sat down, and I, I unloaded like a type of rage, like I was spitting. I didn't know the lines. I wasn't talking to anyone in particular. I was just ranting and, and my red-faced, uh, just screaming all of my guts out, totally inappropriately for the character or anything, any public space, in general, anywhere, <laughs> that type of expression. And I finished it and I took a breath and I looked at, all of the executives and casting people that were sitting there and they looked horrified, shocked, and maybe a little frightened. Like, like they had like, it was like, what just happened? And I'd like to say that they had me removed by security, but I think I just moped off. Um, and I'm not even sure I felt like I had overdone it. I, I probably left thinking, yeah, you know, uh, they wanted it, man. They wanted anger. That's They got it. They got it. 
So I did not get the part. And I think the general advice there was, uh, you know, in a work situation or when you're interviewing, you know, you know, kind of try to keep your pain and sadness and anger and hostility in check. You're there for a reason. Try to contextualize that. Don't use it as an opportunity to dump your entire life's worth of bile onto strangers that are in charge of giving you a job. I think that's reasonably good advice. So, look, people, I've told you I need to tell you. Stephen Root, you, I mean, you will know this guy. Well, he's in Barry right now. He plays uh, Bill Hader's kind of like contractor, his boss, partner, whatever, the Satan character. And he's up for uh, uh, an outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series uh, for an Emmy uh, for Barry. But, you know, he's been in, you know, it's a very memorable role. Do you remember Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He was the blind radio station owner. He was also in Buster Scruggs. He was also the staple guy in Office Space. He's like, he's one of those reoccurring character actors that you're like, there's that guy. But he's, he's fucking inspired. And I was happy to talk to him. This is me talking to Stephen Root. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or need to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts yeah i mean you can move the mic it, it kind of bounces around so you got to go close with it here where are you how come i don't hear you Hi. Oh, yeah it all started in the 5000 rod radius it did it no <laughs> it did not <laughs> it did not start well, you know, I appreciate you coming. I I actually met you briefly, very briefly. I, I did one day of shooting on the uh, what's his name and what's his name. Oh, the, the wedding Mike, dates. the Mike Mike movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, and there it was at, at night there, there where everyone was staying, and it was like, hey, how are you? And yeah, then, yeah, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you watch the movies? Uh, I watch them once. <laughs> I mean, I, it just it must get to a certain point <laughs> when you've done an, a million movies. Yeah. I, I talked to, who did I talk to? Stephen Dorff. I guess it's not, it's kind of an awkward way to start, but do God, you know- He must have done 200 movies. I mean, that guy's in everything. Well, it was interesting. He, he was, and now like he did that true detective thing, and I thought he really killed it. Uh, yeah. like, he really did something amazing yep. to the point where I, I didn't even know who the fuck it was. It was like seeing somebody for the first time. Mm-hmm. But you know he, you know he told me something I, I should have realized, but I didn't really realize is that like sometimes as an actor you take the gig, you know it's not going to be great, but you can do what you do, 
And and that's that. You do. And and there's sometimes when you have a hole in your schedule. And right. You, and, and you're not going to do Lear. You're just going <laughs> to yeah. do something. Yeah. And you just throw it in there. Yeah. But I mean, I imagine after a certain point, you probably, it must be, I don't watch the shit I do. Yeah. You, well, you don't, first of all, you don't have time, really. Yeah. I mean, because since I'm anciently old, it takes me most of my time just to memorize the shit I have to do. Yeah. You know, so no, I, yeah. I, I don't. You're, are you, how old are you? I was 60, I was 68 in November. And this is a big year, man. It's a big year. It's a very cool year. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's not like, you, I mean, you certainly deserve the attention. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus, man. I mean, like Barry's great. I love the fucking show. Uh, the character's great. You know, it's, it's, it's a show that I liken in tone yeah. and, and intelligentsia to news radio. It's oh, yeah. like, I feel like. I did that, and now I'm doing this because yeah. it's it's really the first one I've really signed on to as a regular because I didn't really want to uh, until now. Oh, really? Yeah, because the writing is so good. Bill is unbelievable, yeah. and the and the people who do it and the tone. Yeah, the tone is the tone like is uh, just that edge it rides be, between it walks right on the line. How you're just like you're just a a, a, a hair away from <laughs> hating these fuckers. Yeah, like they're they're just morally reprehensible, but you kind of rooting for all of them. <laughs> kind of like. And then, they, then you get the, they step over and then they step and back. Like, Wait a minute, can I still like this guy and be a decent person? <laughs> Is Sarah's character just a dick? No, she's she's really a good person. <laughs> well, that one's easier to like because yeah. you know her. Yeah, right. If you work at show, just self-involved. Yeah, but she yeah. is good. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's her selfishness. But the but you and Hater her character. Yeah, those characters are just you know shamelessly evil. <laughs> but they, but they don't really see it that way. No, I don't. I think my character doesn't see it that way. Bill, I th- Bill's character, I think, is, is really struggling PTSD. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it is. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. So, what do you do to like to you know to pull it together? Like, because this role, in, in terms of like the character work you've done, I guess we'll start with the new. St- I rarely start with it, but I, yeah. But I like the show. Thanks. But like this, in compared to some of the broader characters you've had to do, this guy is you know pretty straight ahead, right? He's not. You, you're not. You're not. You don't have to manufacture uh, f- too much physicality or, or that. No, kind of stuff. no. It, and he's and it's what's nice is he's a big character, but he's small, right? You know, yeah. you, you you see the small things in his in his face, and that's that's fun for me to play as a character. Actor, yeah. Instead of you know or right, you know, Buster Scruggs, where you're going. Bruh! <laughs> <laughs> you know? so so it's fun to be small on this show but is it do, now when you when you approach the script because he is sort of a, a satanic character mm-hmm. uh well you know yeah i mean there. well they're, i describe him as a bad uncle a, yeah bad uncle yeah. but right but like there it, there seems to be this weight to his you, you know to his uh his charm and you know kind of keep pulling him over to the bad side yeah, but it's all self-involved bullshit Just right give me the money yeah the end. <laughs> yeah and is that where you start when you try to put together a guy like that uh what was interesting about this show was that he didn't start to be that he, he was very much of a one-note yeller go out on this job guy really in the pilot yeah and and we and it was still an interesting character. We finished the pilot. Yeah. And we looked at it. And HBO looked at it, and they said, "Yeah, that's good. Where are you going to go now? Mm. You're already at ten. Where's Where's he going to Where's he going to go? Right." And and Bill and Alex said, "Yeah, you're right." And so they rewrote the character into the bad uncle that you see now. 
So really? we re- we reshot my portion of the pilot while we were shooting episode uh, one. No kidding. Mm-hmm. So so it was just uh, the guy was just a, like a, a a rager, just or like just, just a, like... a straight out asshole oh. rager. Yeah, which had really had nowhere to go. It, much more interesting being. The guy that had known uh, his father for a long time right. he was a bad uncle and said, "How can I make money on this fucker?" Yeah, and he's got this. He skill figured set. that out. Yeah, he said, "I can I'll make him do this." <laughs> and also, and then without the yelling, you all the charm and the sort of you know, self pity, the the kind of like weird kind of like, "Come on, yeah, I mean, come I, on, what am I going to do?" Is why these are bad people? You want to kill them? <laughs> <laughs> But so that and so then the work becomes, is it natural for you? Do you read the script a thousand times? Uh, I do because I like to have a solid base. But then, of course, immediately when you step on the set, Bill will go, no, nah, we don't need that. <laughs> Throw that all away. You know, what do you think you'd say here? Well, I'd probably say this. OK, you know, but he's a natural improviser. as right. Most of the people coming up these days seems to be they they have improv training. I was straight Shakespeare theater. Uh, read it on the page, and that's what you fucking say. Yeah, no, they're, they're all uh, genius improvisers. Absolutely. Now. So, yeah. so that's been that's a learning curve for me to to do that. So, uh, that's a good learning thing for me on this show to do that more and more. We did it a little bit in news radio. You do it more and more in any show that you go on to. Yeah, that isn't strictly right uh, scripted word tight and scripted tight. But know? it's not. It's a, but you're doing it more on this show than you have ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's and it's right. And, yeah. And and good because uh, things change in the moment. Yeah. And there's a naturalism that happens. Oh yeah. And you know and and if you got the guy, you kind of like that's what is always impressive. Like because if you can lock into the guy and talk like the guy off script, that's always the case yeah. anyway. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, being doing the improv stuff has 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 been a nice learning curve for me and trying to relax while you do it, which is always the hardest thing. Just relax be the guy yeah and then you'll he'll say what he says right yeah <laughs> trust it man trust it so where did you come from where, where would where, because <laughs> you're one of these guys like you know there's not a lot of you around anymore uh you know these uh kind of like uh amazing character actors that you, well, you can i think there's a whole bunch of them you just don't uh, you you don't see them as much in in your head you always see them but you always see them right because they're they're the guys in that make the show interesting that you're watching yeah i know i i, I guess maybe i'm romanticizing the 70s no i hear you because there was you. like four dudes that were in absolutely everything. And yeah. like, hey there's ned Beatty again yeah and and ned <laughs> Beatty's one of my heroes is know? he sure all all those character guys were yeah like who else oh my god like uh, well ned was great man yeah like and then i guess Harry Dean was around. Harry a lot. Dean was great. You yeah, know, he was. Yeah, he was. He was unbelievable. He was in everything. Yeah. So, but where did, where did you come where, from? I can't. I'm like a uh, an army brat, but not. My yeah. dad was construction. He he built steam power plants for Basco, and Basco. He Basco, and it was uh, all over the Midwest. And it had taken a uh, year and a half, year and yeah. a half to build to one, build and one? then boop for the comp- city. Is it like for the he was city? Contracted yeah, yeah. By the that, city. It's that little plant outside the yeah, city you right, see and every steam yeah, coming out exactly you drive by on the highway and you're like what the fuck is that smoke uh-huh no, i think that's just steam and that's just me going to another place <laughs> so we we'd um be there a year and a half two years and we go somewhere else so I, I i was in you know i we started out in glen rock wyoming to sioux city iowa to muncie indiana to Fort lauderdale back to kansas city your, uh, wichita so, all those places where were you born 
I was born in Sarasota, literally there for three weeks. My parents, <laughs> then he was transferred to New Orleans, where my brother was born. Uh, and then we were transferred to Monroe, and then we were transferred to Glen Rock, Every Wyoming. year and a half. Every, uh, pretty much. You know, never more than a couple of years. So you were the kid that you know showed I, up in school? I was the fat-ass kid who'd walk up you know, to write something on, on the chalkboard and wiggle his ass yeah. and be laughed at. You know, So I was always the new kid. Yeah, so you had to show, you're the one who showed up in the middle of the year? Yeah, uh, I, I, sit over there. That's, pu- that's <laughs> brutal. It was brutal. You and, and your little brother have to go through that? How many are there of you guys? There's just two of us. Uh-huh. But and it wasn't brutal to us because it was normal. Normal. Until until you got to junior high and high school, where I I was two years in Kansas City and then was ripped out and taken down to Vero Beach, Florida. Right when you had friends. Right when you I finally had some <laughs> friends and I I was you know a nice science fiction comic book nerd guy had some friends. Yeah, was on the Play, track team playing D and D. Was that around you? Didn't do that. Oh. Um, uh, I'd rather sit there and read Asimov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, and right then and then we'd get ripped uh, and go to Florida and it was like I found myself cheering for you know football team I don't give a shit about this <laughs> I can't get attached I just went home <laughs> <laughs> so you're always a sci-fi guy yeah I always was yeah. as my mom got me into it she was a sci-fi uh, uh, the big four Clark and Asimov and Heinlein and Simic and all those guys your mom was into it yeah what'd she do she was a housewife, yeah. obviously, because she had to move all the time, but she had started uh, art classes at Pratt, you know, because she lived in, uh, in in Jersey when she was growing up, and she would have continued with that. I think she still did. She would go to the local paper wherever we yeah. would go and, you know, say, I can do some layouts for you and draw, yeah. us, draw some bras and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and she'd do that? Yeah. So that was her dream? Uh, I don't know if it was her dream, but she could have done that. Had my, she not gotten married and started moving, I always wonder about that. My my mom's a, is the same way. She was in, uh, you know, an art person, yeah, painter, yeah. Like I've been doing a bit on stage about that. How uh, you know how you don't really know your parents until you know if they lucky enough they live long enough to get to know them as older people because when they're younger, you know, you you don't know them and they resent you because you ruined their life. <laughs> <laughs> well, ours wouldn't. Ours would take us to the. When I remember in Kansas City, I was probably, I don't know, thirteen. Yeah, my brother was eleven or nine. They would drop us off at the museum all day. Yeah, they would just drop us off, sure. and we would we would play uh, we would play chess outside on the big lions and yeah. just walk around as if you know. Well, that was back when they, you could just leave you could. kids You places. could just leave kids and they would wander around. I, I like that framing of that, though. Like, my parents are like that, too. You should go to camp or you should spend a mm-hmm. week over there. And it was really, it seemed, you know, in good, you know, it seemed like, you know, pro, like proactive. But I yeah. think they want they you out just, of the house. Well, yeah, they just want to get rid of you. <laughs> you find <laughs> that out later yeah. when you want to do that to your children. <laughs> so where do you, like, where do you land it to uh, when you graduate high school? Are you okay. doing any acting at all? Oh, God, no, no. Nothing, just reading Never. comic books? No, I was, I would, I'd work construction to uh, my dad's plant to pay for college. So I ended up, it, University of Florida is where I went because, you know, it was it was cheap back in 1970 and it was a state school. And, and was the family there at that point? They were still there and then they, right after that move to, he finally got his first atomic plant in Hanford that he worked on. Hanford, where's that? Hanford, Washington, in the Tri-Cities area. In uh, in Washington uh, State? Kennewick, uh, Pasco, oh. and whatever. Yeah, yeah, in Washington State. Like a nuclear power plant? Nuclear power plant. 
Yeah, and this is this is in the late seventies, early eighties. Was that a thing where he's like, uh, like I got to brush up on how to design one of these? Well, he was construction supervisor, so yeah. it was still construction stuff. But he was oh, he had so started out as a, yeah, right. he had started out as civil engineer. He's probably one of the last guys without a college degree uh-huh. that got that high. Right. Yeah. So he's, uh, so they split, and you're in college. So they're, they're yeah, they're they're up in Washington. I'm in college doing i don't know what so i signed up for journalism because i took you know i was a photographer for yeah. a school paper so i don't know what i'm doing You're a photography guy too uh, i enjoyed it yeah Black, I, dark room stuff dark room stuff i would i would develop my own color slides in college because i don't know why but it was interesting that's complicated me yeah it was fun uh, but I did a lot of black and white in the old you know art stuff yeah so i did that and i said maybe i'll go into that i don't know and then I took an elective just to get a couple of things. So yeah. I was a spear carrier in one of the main stage productions. And then <laughs> then all these student directors would go, can I use you for this scene? And I went, I don't want okay. And this is just an elective. This is just an elective. Right. And and then three, you know, three directing scenes in, I went, I can do this. This this is fun. Yeah. This is fun. And there's women yeah. <laughs> here in the department <laughs> that, that will... Uh, Maybe <laughs> go an, out with me. An, a nerd's journey. Uh, it was a nerd's journey into heaven. <laughs> so, yeah. So then I, I got hooked up in the theater department, switch majors. Blah, blah, blah. Like two years in? Yeah. So you did two years uh, in the theater department. So you got an undergraduate acting degree? Never. I got a job before before that. Oh, you didn't finish? No. God, no. No. I, they had a... <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. I have an AA from the University of Florida. That's all I got. What's that? That's the, the that's one, the, first the honorary? Two years. The oh, first oh, two that's years. That's it? That, the first two years. Uh-huh. That's all I got. Yeah. Hasn't anyone given you a special one? You'd think. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a matter of time. It is. Yeah. It, yeah. If I you, make it into my 70s, I'd probably get one. If you grab that Emmy, you might get an honorary degree. You might <laughs> hey, be. you're right there. I didn't <laughs> think about that. Uh, but yeah. So then I changed majors, went into that. But yeah. I left because there's a, a big audition in the in the South called the SETCs. Uh, what South, is that? Southeastern Theater Conference right. audition. Oh, so okay. a lot of regional theater, right. a lot of... And the biggest one was the National Shakespeare Company out of New York, Bus and Truck. That, yeah. That uh, you'd go into the company, you'd put up three shows and tour the country with it. Have you, did you do any Shakespeare in college? Or yeah. In, oh, you did? Yeah. I did so you took to it? And I loved it. Really? Yeah, I really loved it. Huh. And then, uh, so I got that job. Went straight, f- straight from college to New York, three weeks in Woodstock to rehearse three shows onto a 1963 trailways and boom for nine months of the year you're playing colleges and uh and and some bigger venues sometimes so as a shakespearean actor like so when they look at you they're they they i i I imagine they're thinking like well this guy's got a handle on the language of it and they kind of you they can move you around i mean you should be able to play most of the male parts well well there's only 12 of us in the company so we're triple cast in every show unless you were unless you were othello right you know you were you were always somebody audrey the country wench and corin the old man you know in the same show so you did it real old school you wore wigs oh you had to play women oh yeah fake balloon tits the whole thing it was great (laughs) i was 24 well you know and so you're on the road, yeah. You know, and there, what? There's twelve in the. But it's this is '76, so yeah. we're all you know hippy dippies with mm-hmm. hair down to here that we had to curl up every night and put under wigs. So you're 24 and, and 76. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and uh, and so we were in the middle of the country doing Shakespeare. You know, we'd we'd get we'd go to truck stops and we'd get out the thing and they go, Shakespeare, huh? You, you make them rod and reels? Is that what you do? It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a company that makes fishing? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to travel cross country, all of us in uh-huh. the company. Oh, yeah, we're delivering rods yeah, and reels. Here's now. one for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great. It was the best training you could get because you'd play the same show in a 300 seat junior college or a 5,000 seat West Point. Yeah, and that's two different performances. Right. Yeah. Now, it, but but uh, what? It, so you didn't? That was the that was your training. That yeah. was the, that was the hands on. That was the hands on. So who was the director? That kind of, uh, was it one guy? Uh, it was a couple. Of, no, it was a couple of people out of New York that they'd get direct the shows. But Philip Meister was the head of the company. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, he lasted for a while. And you learned what basic Shakespearean acting? I, uh, yeah, iambic pentameter. And, yeah. And we had a couple of older actors in their thirties, right? <laughs> yeah. Who had done uh, you know Shakespeare training? So we learned on the go so is that do you think you like it would seem to me i'm just trying to put it together with some of the work you you know you've done throughout your career is that i i imagine that's a pretty good uh education in in sort of being small and being large and being broad it and was. like you could like it, within shakespeare there's all of those i mean and, if you're wearing a wig and fake boots <laughs> absolutely but it, I, I, the first thing it helped me and i think was when i was a klingon on the next generation and they you know they stuck stick these teeth you know they put the teeth in there and you got the nose on so you had to speak distinctly <laughs> which i could do yeah in klingon ease because so, of your shakespeare yeah, it training. was but it was my training so how does it uh, so after you do that you're 24 i mean it doesn't it 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 seems like it took a while to to start a career, so where do you go oh, from yeah, there? Oh yeah, no, it's straight theater because I because then you come off the tour. Yeah, uh, I came off and I did a couple of years on it, and then I took a half a year off and did a lot of uh, cubicle work and temp work and all that shit, and then I went back in for New a, York. Or yeah, where were you? New oh, York. you stayed in New York. In New York, yeah, of course. And uh, where were you living? Fiftieth mm, Street, Hell's Kitchen, mm. in the seventies. So it still was kind of Hell's Kitchen. Wow, so it was still like uh, the Westies territory, like there. <laughs> <Still, they're>, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's still, I, I can still remember looking out the window and seeing, seeing, uh, uh, obviously a hooker thrown out oh, of the yeah. cab, uh-huh. tied with her hands tied. Oh wow, Jesus! We ran down there and untied her, and you went, "Boy, I'll see ya." Yeah, like wow, That's scary. Okay. Yeah, scary. And, and Times Square was still so. It was the late seventies. It was a mess. No, it was a mess. Bad. Uh, you yeah. couldn't walk down Forty First Street. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I just remember that right, all around Port Authority it was just crazy, man. Was and all those weird live sex shows and oh, you know, just, all that stuff. It was not. Uh, it was not as pretty as it was. No, and it was pungent when you went walk down to Forty Second Street. And, yeah, because in when the did, summer, right? When did it start turning around? I mean, it was still kind of like in the in the mid eighties. It started right. turning around. So they it was pretty beat up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but yeah, so then I was just doing you know off, 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 off Broadway. Like, like what? Like what kind of stuff? Oh, like, what, what? just really. Bad shows like, down below 14th You just Street. go to auditions yeah. by directors who oh, like- Oh, whatever the, the, the rag was that in, in those days, uh-huh. I, you know, and you'd get auditions that way. But I finally got one that turned into an off-Broadway show to get the equity card. Right. Uh, which was a great show called Journey's End, an R.C. Sheriff World War One play. So we, we opened, of course, in the middle of the transit strike and then closed- <laughs> But, but that yeah. was good because that got me some real regional jobs out out of town in Atlanta and and on the East Coast. Well, what like New York in the late seventies? So was 
Were you doing work down there, like where like the Worcester Group was, or any of the weird? Yeah, down stuff? in that place. Yeah, down in down below Fourteenth Street. There's a little million little theaters that they'd rent for nothing. They'd yeah, pay you nothing. Literally, they'd pay you two tokens. One to get down there and one to get back. And what was that experience like? Did you find that it was like helpful? I yeah, mean, it, it was helpful because you were forced to do some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was forced to make. Uh, I think it was good training to make gold out of straw uh-huh. you know because it wasn't great writing but right you, but there's some interesting and good performers that you could you could work to make this thing better and you had to work hard did you meet were there guys that we know that you were you know kind of come in contact with down there or mm. like playwrights or actors or anybody because uh, there were some people n- around there were and and maybe probably but, but i couldn't you know, like get spalding gray or defoe or any yeah, of those cats I didn't work, yeah but i didn't work with them because though they they, already, they might have made you know, yeah. $60 a week. Right. So I, they made were, a, I made a token. Right. So yeah. they were on the next level. Exactly. So wait, now when you do the thing that was off Broadway that got your equity card, mm-hmm. what does it look like when you, what do you mean you get, what do you get gigs in Atlanta and that kind of stuff? How's that uh, work? Regional theater. Oh, okay. Because that, uh, what, what got me, uh, the equity card then gets you uh, your first agent, right. your first manager, whatever, who then sends you out for the regional jobs on the East Coast. You know, West, so that Westport and all and and all those. Things. So you'd like do uh, yeah. a couple months in the summer doing yeah. two shows, that whatever. Yeah, everyone whatever. Everyone knew. Usually eight week, nine week, ten week productions. You know, you, you rehearse a couple of weeks and do them for six for, weeks for subscription theaters for Correct. older people. A lot of blue hairs, yeah. And like you're doing musicals. Uh, I didn't do musicals, although I, I was cast in one. I didn't get to do it, but I, I did mostly some classic stuff, a lot of new new stuff. Yeah, that that the regionals would do, I, and that's what en- ended up getting me on Broadway. Which we did a a show called So Long on Lonely Street oh, yeah. uh, at the Alliance yeah. in, in Atlanta, right. and that transferred to Boston, to, transferred to Broadway. So that was my first Broadway thing. Yeah, and was it a lead? Uh, I was the lead. Yeah. yeah, it was the lead. It was great. Uh, lasted for a month. That's pretty good. That's not bad. <laughs> not bad. Good. Uh, good reviews. Oh no, <laughs> that's why it lasted a month. <laughs> but it was great, though. I mean, because going going out of town and, yeah. and rehearsing out of town in Boston and having a big success there, and then coming into town and then going. Ah, this is a piece of shit from Atlanta. <laughs> is that what happened? Yeah. Well, that is true. I mean, like, I guess that, that's a, a good way to do it. I know that about stand-up. That, you know, well, it's you go, the only way. You I pound thought. it out, yeah. and then you show up. Never if, expected to do film or TV. I mean, I thought I was going to be a regional theater actor. That's what I got into doing. And, and, you were, and you were okay with that? I was okay with that. And then by the mid-'80s, I was, I'd been in New York long enough that and seen enough casting directors to go, do you want to audition for this movie yeah. or this TV thing? And I said, yeah. Yeah, and, and and so outside of the the Shakespearean touring company, no training. Uh-uh. Uh uh. Other other than what I had at Florida, which was minimal, really. The training that I got was on stage. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because I, I I talk to actors because I I I try to kind of suck a acting lesson out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only way that I learn is is working with actors that are much better than I am, and I, True, and I right? fucking yeah, and you and you steal from them. As, that's as you do. Yeah, from everyone, you steal from the '30s character actors that you saw in movies that you love. Their approach. You steal from the '50s. What are you stealing actor. exactly? Uh, don't, by, by stealing, I mean their. Uh, you see their timing. Yes. and you see uh, right. how good they are, 
and 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 you absorb it as much as you can. I think I got half my timing from Warner Brothers cartoons because the timing in those things was so great. Right. You know, they whoosh, whoosh, mum. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and you got that, and, yeah. and you and by stealing, I mean just absorbing what what you can learn from people that are really good. Well, I noticed that like recently, just because I'm relatively new at it, is that there is a pace that you have to own when you're doing something. You know, it's it's really, and you decide it, mm-hmm. right? So the timing is everything. I, I imagine with Shakespeare too, like they, like there is a. If you're nervous or you're you you don't know where you're going with your character, you're probably going to rush, and it's not going to land. Exactly, shit's got to land. Which is why I have to I have to have a really solid base. Usually, I, I'll, I'll go over and over and over lines, so that then then I know them so well that then I can play. Then I can go this way, go that way, go anyway. So that's the way to do it for me. Yeah, but that's not. Um, I a lot of people show up and while they're in makeup, they look at their script and go, "What's today?" Yeah, I can't do that. Right. But that's, it's how, how you do it for you. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I imagine they kind of, either they're, they just, they don't, they don't care and they, they can pull <laughs> it off. I'm hoping that's not the truth, or, and they but can they pull can pull it, pull it off. off. Yeah. Because or, they either have a great memory or they're, they're just more comfortable being, in the, it makes just it, barely knowing it. Right. It gets them in the moment, maybe. It it's does. It's sort of a cheat. Uh, and for me, being prepared gets me in the moment. Right. And then I can, then I can do whatever I want. Right. So, okay. So you're doing all these series. Did you ever have any great successes on Broadway? Uh... We we yeah I guess so we won we won the Tony for best revival of all my sons back in eighty six I just like saw that. that show with Tracy Letts yeah yeah and we were lucky enough uh, after winning the Tony that we had uh, we had Arthur Miller come talk to us on the on the steps of really? the, the stage you know the the ultimate theater experience and and what year was that that was eighty six or seven so he's old remember. yeah he's old and what do you have to say. Uh, he liked it a lot because uh, we had uh, just a really good cast, and he he liked it. And who was the lead? We had a couple of leads. Ralph Waite started it at the oh Long from Wolf. the from the Waltons from the Waltons. Yeah, yeah. He and was the old man. He, he was, was the dad. Yeah. yeah, he was he was the dad. And we had we had a couple of others, but um, Man of La Mancha. He, he started in the film Man of La Mancha. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, him, uh, not Jose. Fro- no. Oh, what is that guy's name? Jeez. Yeah, that guy. The him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I was with every day, and I can't remember his name. <laughs> I can't remember anybody's name anymore. It's astonishing. Well, you know, when you have a life, and you've lived a couple of different cities, and you've, uh, you, moly. it gets to a point where you're like, someone goes, you know, hey, Steven, and you're like, just give me a time frame and a city. <laughs> Yeah, and pe- tell me I didn't do anything terrible. What I know is people when people come up to me and say Steve, I go, oh, that's somebody from thirty years ago. <laughs> I've been Steve for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, Stephen? I've been Stephen since yeah, since I had. Oh really? Yeah. You made a choice. I made a choice to be Stephen. So only people that knew you that long ago were Steve. It's Steve, yeah. 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 So the so the they all think Br- I'm fucking weird if I. They, Stephen, that's yeah. not who you are. You're, we know you, Steve. You're Rut. You're, You're Steve Rut. those those guys are still around oh yeah this is great still friend with them oh yeah several so okay so then you're kicking around so when does the when does the movie thing kick in um it kicked in i did i did a my first movie yeah i went in for to read and they liked me and and they said you're going to the call back but don't you ever tell them that this is your first right movie so i didn't but yeah. I got the job. What it was, was it? Monkey Shines, George Romero. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of remember that. Yeah. 
Oh. Johnny Panko is in it. It's great. Yeah. Um, but I, because I, I, I is did, a scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a horror uh, yeah. movie. You know, monkey licks your bleeding wounds movie. Oh wow. Um, but then I got I, I got into uh, Crocodile Dundee the sequel. The yeah. Crocodile Dundee two. Yeah. And had a nice part in that and then got into ghost yeah which was big movie well, yeah so i'm thinking movie. oh motherfucker you're I'm in i'm into the big movies and yeah. that was the last one that was <laughs> of it course, for a long time was it yeah because then i started doing a lot of tv out in la because i came out to la in 90 but it says like let's see i'm just looking at some of the credits like what were were you in stanley and iris yeah and what was that a good part oh it's great i got to work with De Niro. It was fantastic yeah and, and did you would you learn anything from him that he was really generous. I mean, he had, I, I played, um, he had to put his father in a home. I played the head of the home. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I have to tell him at some point in the picture that his father has died. And uh, he he, cry, he does his crying, uh, and he did his crying off screen for me oh, while really? I was doing my offstage line. So he was very generous. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And Ghost, and then like, oh, and then did you work, You were, did you have scenes with him in Guilty by Suspicion as well? Yeah, just short. Yeah. Short thing. So these were, a lot of them were those kind of parts. Oh, where yeah. You, yeah, because you, you had a few you lines. Could do, you could do five, ten Broadway plays and then you go to L.A. and you're at the bottom of the rung. Right. Yeah, because they don't care what you do in Broadway. But it, but it seems like you were pretty good at, you know, at least making. You I was know, a good auditioner. And, good auditioner. But you like, even if you had like four lines, you know, you grounded yourself in it. You showed up for showed work. Showed up. You know, and you're like that guy. Because that was theater training. You like, you ground, right. ground yourself, you know your lines, you don't bump into the furniture and you're there. And then you just started. And so when do you move to LA, like permanent? Uh, in 90. Yeah. In 90. Uh, and started immediately doing, you know, guest star stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Was that fun? It was fun. Because the first thing I did, I think, was uh, Night Court. Uh, I did a couple couple of things with Harry. Harry actually wrote me an episode. And, and Roseanne and, and all that stuff then. So, and that's that's a lot like theater, three camera. Very much so. You know, you're just a live audience. Yeah. And is that where you started to, you know, kind of... Um, Really realize that you know, in order to uh, to kind of really land it, you, you could kind of push the character a bit. Yeah, because it's strange hybrid doing doing three camera and an audience, yeah, or four camera and an audience, where you have to be small enough for the camera and big enough to right uh, for a two hundred, you know, uh, get the laugh seat audience. Yeah, so yeah, uh, it was it was great learning experience and uh, wow, you did some you did Jake and the Fat Man <laughs> twice. <laughs> Was that was it, that was a canon, right? Yeah. Who Wait. never, ever, ever learned a line. William Conrad. Only huge <laughs> cards behind your head that he read. <laughs> never looked at you. Only read his cards behind your head. It was and it was great. He was great. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid because my parents used to watch Canon. Yeah. That was like a big show. Was. So that so was that one of those like I imagine as you get into you know working with these people that you've known you know as it's a know, cool thing right for nerd the, boy to go yeah work with these guys and yeah. then and then was that the first time you're like oh this is a different world they're holding a giant sign behind <laughs> me and you can really get away with stuff here why doesn't he learn his lines <laughs> <laughs> that was the question yeah no it's just I mean but that happens a lot you know sometimes they're just uh, no time. You know, because they're on a 16-hour day and they yeah. have no time to do it. So so you're just kicking around, but you're making a living. Yeah. 
Make it eleven. Make it eleven. And but you're not not necessarily noticed. No one's really. No, no. I'd kind. You know, I was like the stealth bomber. I'd come yeah. in and do stuff, and that would be you know recognized right. as funny. And then uh, what I was got, it? Got what? a chance to do it more and uh, on on news radio because I had five years of that. And that was like uh, you were a regular guy. You were on every episode. Yeah. You were like the owner? I was the owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you're working with Andy and yeah, Joe. And Phil Hartman. Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The be- and Joe Rogan and, and yeah. Vicki Lewis, Maura Tierney. I mean, it was an uh, unbelievable yeah. cast uh, that I still love them all very much. So that was when, you, I mean, you're already, like, you're almost 40? Oh, I'm 42, 43, something like that. And that was like, that was the one that, you know, got you your insurance. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> you know. It's like an Ed, I, I, I. At that point, I was hoping to be Ed Asner. Yeah. You know, because Ed got that his uh, Mary Tyler Moore job right about the same time. 42, right. 43. Yeah. He was about out of the business. Right. And he got that, and then, boom, and then it's Ed Asner. Well, were you thinking that at the time? Because I, I know that I have thought that. Like, you're-, you're the, When I the, heard that story, I, I thought of that. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you, the guys you compare yourself to keep getting older in terms of when they broke. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes, sure. It eventually ends up like, well, Dangerfield. I'll be able to do it someday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so news radio, then then you you landed and you were there for like 100? Uh, 100 100 shows, yeah. And then Phil, of course, unfortunately got got killed. And uh, we did another season with Lovitz as Phil's replacement, yeah. I interviewed Phil, not here, obviously, but in uh, another format, in a, in a weird sort of, uh, it was like a streaming show, but mm-hmm. it was almost like before the internet could do it. Right. Right. <laughs> so no one saw it or heard it unless you worked at the Microsoft Purpose. Campus. Yeah. <laughs> but I did get to meet him, and he's, yeah. he's a very gracious, nice guy. Really was. And I, ha- and I recently acquired the uh, uh, America album that he did the cover art for. He did. He did a lot of kai. He did Poco. Yeah. He did a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, that was his thing. Yeah. But I imagine working with a guy like that, you must have picked up some things. Absolutely. Because like, he's another guy that can drop into characters, and he has that amazing timing that also seems founded in Warner Brothers. It is, but also he was he was very meticulous guy. He was the guy that had tabs on every scene in his script, knew exactly where he was at all times. Scene number seven, yep, boom, there. And he was... Uh, he was very, very prepared. So he's a guy that like didn't carry sides. He had a book he had of a the book. script. Yeah, I'm noticing that more. Yep. I think that's one of the trickiest things about acting is like if you shoot out a sequence, like what it happened right before this. Yeah, yeah. That's that's part of your homework, just to really find out where you are. Yeah, in, in the script. Because I like, mean, I shot. I just shot a, an indie where I, we, we did the last scene first. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, well, I don't have a character yet. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> the end of the movie. Yeah. End of the movie. <laughs> I want you to figure out that character right now. Backloaded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because like, if you're not careful, you just sort of have the same energy in every scene. It's like, how come this guy's not tired? Didn't he just run here? Yeah, so that's what I learned mainly in the first years in, in television when you had to know exactly where you were in the script. Do you have a whole book for yourself? A couple of them old. I used to keep a lot of stuff, and then uh, my wife finally said, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're not keeping that anymore. But in terms of when you're on set, do you like do you deal with sides, or do you have a note, like the whole script with you? I like to deal with the... Um, I like to to hold sides during yeah. during camera blocking, right? And then I and then I have to throw them because sure. then it's a uh, my life draft is gone and you have to work, right? Yeah. So 
after news radio, what now? Like, when does when does the relationship with um, well the Coens happens later? So how does Office Space? I mean, because that seems well, that's King admit. of the Hill. Because right at the same time I was doing news radio, yeah. King of the Hill, they asked me to audition for that. Right, uh, Mike. Mike did because he knew I did a lot of Southern characters and I had done a lot of Southern theater characters. He yeah, said, go come in for this. Yeah, so got on that, and then from that, uh, he started writing Office Space, and we were all on the Fox lot doing King of the Hill. So he picked a bunch of us King of the Hill guys to read it for Fox. Oh, he did table read. We did a table read for Fox, and uh, Mike was going to read Milton, the the part that I, I yeah. did. And he said, nah, I, I just want to see it. You you read it. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, thanks for the prep as we're walking over. Yeah. And he gives me this two minutes pencil sketch that he'd done of Milton. And he said, do that guy, kind of. And I said, okay. Uh, I said, I probably would give him more of a lisp and uh, and haltingness. And he said, I, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> <clears throat> but I, had done, I did three, uh, four characters that day. I did the... The psychiatrist or the uh, hypnotist who dies in the middle of. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, What's that guy's him? name who play, played him? The big guy. Oh, he's great. He used to be on Who's Line. Yeah, great improviser. Yeah, really like that guy. Tremendous. I can't remember. So I did his part. I did yeah. one of the Bobs. I did something else. So I did like three or four parts during that reading. And they then they bought it. Uh, the yeah. And then it becomes like initially nothing. Did our nothing zero. zero. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Zero. But it was right at the time, uh, two th- around two thousand ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. When DVDs were becoming right the huge thing. Right. So you go to Blockbuster and and, and they recommend stuff and and it became a word of mouth movie and then people started coming up to you on the street saying your line. You go nobody saw that movie. How did that happen? And it's DVDs. And it was huge. I just was at the. Uh, I just was in uh, Austin. Yeah. For I was at South by Southwest, and then I was asked to present at some weird event where it was the anniversary of Office Space. What mm-hmm. is it like? 20, Twenty years. Yeah. And a Crazy. couple of the guys were there, and Mike yeah, was there. Yeah. I I was going to be there, but I was working. Couldn't oh. go. Yeah. And so that that guy, that character, you just put that together. Because that because yeah. that, that's the first time I remember. Like I yeah you know, I remember seeing you, but that was such a a transformation thing yeah but that's that's what i'd always been doing but it got seen on a bigger scale right you know for that and, yeah uh, it was just something that was real natural for me to do well you fontaine de la tour d'autrive i just i love that guy just i knew him i knew guys like him uh <laughs> and i could do him so what do you do that i mean do you so you knew guys like him so do you find yourself you know, like seeing people and are you, are yeah. you, are you a good mimic? No, I, I'm a fairly decent audio mimic, yeah. but I, I think all my life I've always felt like I was observing, you know, I, I, I think a lot of, a lot of shy, quiet guys are observers. And also, do you feel like that you, you did? And this is a weird question, but I just ask it from my, my, my own point of view. Did you feel like that you didn't have a complete self. Yeah, I did, and then maybe that was because we moved. And yeah, I, d- I had no chance to complete myself. Right. Until I got to college, and that creates a sensitivity. Yeah, and because you, you're always looking, what is? Yeah. Uh, should I be doing that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and that, that and that, that seems to be uh, yeah. he's able to talk to people and yeah. like people like him. Maybe I should, yeah. even if it's a haircut or a movement or a shoe. Sure. Yeah. And that's where you get a lot of stuff. It's where you get Milton from Office Space because he, he, he doesn't understand. 
look, I don't know. <laughs> you know? It's amazing that he's right there. He's there whenever sure. you need him. But people can do him really much better than I can now. Oh, really? 20 years later. Yeah, they come up to me and they're much better at it than I am now. So does that does that function as some sort of break for you in film or you know, I mean after the DVD thing or or no I mean not you, really just it's just you're just kind of plugging along still plugging along but news radio is huge news so radio you, was, you're good was nice got a house you got settled security settled yeah. and right. and some residuals and some okay yeah and then you go get some more jobs right but I found that I was just doing. I was getting offers uh, and auditions for only sitcoms. So I, after a while, I just kind of stopped doing them. Yeah. And waited for some more. It's like, guys, I started in Shakespeare. I can do this other stuff. So you were concerned that you would be stuck there. Yeah, I thought I'd be pigeonholed. So I wanted to educate some of the casting directors on, around town. So I, I ended up, which was good. I ended up getting. You know, s- smaller parts in in uh, in dramatic shows until I finally got uh, a nice recurring on West Wing, and then okay, all right, oh, yeah. you can do that. That's right. fine. Right, and then that leads to other things, and then they see you not as just right, Mister Comedy. When does the relationship with the Coens happen? It happened around the same time as I think it was around two thousand. Uh, yeah. around the same time as right after Office Space. I'm I, I'm sure that they didn't know of Office Space because I I went into their audition as a straight audition. Yeah. Uh, you know, working character actor. Right. Um, they love working character actors. Yeah. So I went in and and I we're we're what three feet apart. Yeah. And I went in and and they said so you you want you want to do this guy and I went yeah the two of them and the, the casting them, director yeah the two of them and the casting director and, and I took off my glasses and I and I, and I did the, the, the <laughs> and <laughs> dropped your yeah, eye yeah dropped my eye yeah and then I started doing the guy and they, they, they just both went like that right. which was great <laughs> uh, it was my finest hour ever as an actor and then <laughs> and they gave me the role which was very nice so you read the sides and you had the guy when you went in yeah I knew I knew the guy yeah I knew the guy and did, had you met that guy, that yeah. blind guy? I'd seen, I'd heard that guy yeah. millions of times in Growing the South. Growing up in the South, yeah. And I'd seen him uh, from, uh, he's an amalgamation of a couple of 30s things yeah. that I saw, yeah. And yeah, that, I thought that was an amazing character. And that's one of those Love ones where, character. you know, after you see Office Space and then you go see, uh, you know, Brother, you're like, that's that fucking guy. <laughs> That's that guy, yeah, that weird a, guy. Yeah, well, he can do uh, all these things, <laughs> but that. But there, the thing is, is that as it seems that how the Coens use character actors and uh, with the potential for cartooniness, you know, they, it's always they, there, right? But they have a real handle on it because, oh, like, they're so set. Well, yeah, because like they did it with Nicolas Cage in Raising Arizona. They're like your cartoon, yeah, and and that's that. Yeah. But then they kind of are able to ride this I- interesting line that is uniquely theirs. I yeah, think. they're so they're. I mean, they're storyboarded to within an inch of their lives. That's on, what on I every heard. Movie, and it's a beautiful thing because then you do that, and they're happy, and then you play with one, and they might use some of that, might not. Oh, okay. But so it's you, very structured and and um, meticulous, easy, easy, easy to work with. Yeah, and they're good guys. Or, oh, they're great guys. But they seem like the kind of guys like once they cast you know somebody who's you, you know I imagine that a lot of the actors they work with are as dug in as you and their character actors and yeah so they're sort of like you know we hired you to do the job but yeah we don't, there's not a lot of notes Just there do what you do right. <laughs> we'll tell you if you go way the hell off but yeah because I found that kind of amazing in in the part that you had in in Buster Scruggs was that you didn't work with those three dudes but you know you did the thing with Franco but when Franco was yeah. 
you know, in when those three guys ride up, right? right? They they're all such old timey character actors. They just <laughs> ate Franco for lunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's you, so great. Was, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> so great. It was like you can't even you're not even you don't even know Franco's there. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's got the news around. It's like, but what yeah. are those guys? Those guys, because you, you're looking at it. Well, that's true. And all all the great you know 30s 40s. Uh, movies, you're looking at the character. You're looking at Frank Morgan and yeah, that's true. Doing it's, five characters in Wizard of Oz, you know, unbelievable people. Forever in your mind, yeah, those guys, yeah. And you did another one with them, right, or two, two uh, more. a couple more. I did, yeah, No uh, Country, No Country, which is just great because I got to work with Woody. Um, oh, man. oh, that's uh, right. You get you get shot oh, up oh, in the face. Yeah, yes, yeah. lovely. Yeah. Uh, what do you say? He's so good in that. Oh, Everyone's so fucking ever, good in that. Oh my God! Such, Roland was, that was such crazy. a scary movie in terms of. Just, there's no music in that movie. There's no soundtrack. There's just sounds. Yeah, you know, squeaking oh, I I sounds. Know if I that. Oh my God! Next time you watch, not a soundtrack. Not a soundtrack. And uh, and Scruggs. So you did three or four? Three. Uh, I also did Lady Killers. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is with Hanks with Tom Hanks, and he was fantastic in it. Uh, how does he like? That's right. He played this sort of southern yep. kind of dandy. Yeah, yeah. They're bank robbery. Yeah, type of yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How is he to work with? Was that like oh, a big moment? Uh, it was big for me because he cast me in From the Earth to the Moon before that. Yeah, I, the uh, the the Apollo the uh, From the Earth yeah, to the yeah. Moon the HBO thing. Yeah, yeah. And I got to play Chris Craft, head of flight. At flight NASA? operations at NASA. Yeah. Oh, the guy that, the guy that just played? passed. Yeah, he, he just passed. Uh, but I played him through the whole series, and so Tom had uh, he was he hired knew me yet. for that, yeah. And like you seem to like do a lot of these crazy comedies, mm-hmm. but oh, but Idiocracy. That's see now I think that movie was genius. It w- it's way ahead of its time. It's what's happening right now. Sure, I uh, mean as a satire, it yeah. was very uh, prescient. Yeah, but uh, I I don't know why the movie didn't take off like Office Space and develop a cult. Don't following. know that w- whether that's Fox's problem with promotion or or what. I feel like if it could have had a couple more million dollars, yeah, it it would have been different. Yeah, and maybe I don't know, maybe a bigger star. But I mean, I thought everybody was great. In that oh, movie. Dax Shepard's Dax, fantastic, and that was his hilarious. first it's huge hilarious. role. It was Bane. <laughs> I'm baiting. <laughs> <laughs> I like the swing of it. Like, it's just what we all uh, do. Uh, oh, yeah, you're in Get Out. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You the were the photographer fun. with no eyes, right? Uh, with no, of course. That's that's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> that likes to get his scalp cut off. Yes, yeah, lovely. I'll do that. <laughs> and how do you, like, when, so you get, you get sent stuff all the fucking time. Yep. Yeah, and Barry. I mean, I'm thrown thrown all over the place in that. I'm very physical. But but I mean, you do you just turn you you got to turn a lot of stuff down, right? Uh, yeah. I, at, at this point, I, I'm I'm really working for script and people for yeah. you know really good scripts and to work with really good people so I can learn from them. But what about directors? I mean, like it's hard for me to like you know wrap my brain around as many movies you've done. But like you know, have there been directors? Well, I that always have I I wanted to work with Clint Eastwood, so I got to do that. J. Edgar and J. Edgar, which was amazing, really fun. And and everything that people said it would be, he he shoots real quick, right? Shoots real quick. Um, and I had people who had worked on other movies who was saying, just learn everything in a row because you might do it once. Oh really? <laughs> you might. And uh, even the first was saying when we were shooting somebody he said, yeah, we'll go up to this point and then we'll stop. And said, no, just brrr, right all through it, and he yeah. used that, and that was it. And was he a nice guy? Super nice, super nice. What other directors have made an impact? Uh, I lo- I really liked working with Redford. 
to watch him yeah. watch him work was phenomenal yeah like because i can't like he's one of those guys that's sort of like um those guys were real movie stars yeah and then they you know have to find a range within that mm-hmm. it's sort of uh it's a it's not the pretty he's trick. the prettiest character actor around i'll tell yeah. you that yeah <laughs> you and, and but he really can drop into things yeah he's fantastic like brad pitt's sort of the same way yeah like, I, I i feel the same way have you worked with that guy uh no i know brad from from stuff but i haven't worked with him um we talked about uh you know the tank movie that he did oh yeah uh that uh was basically my father's tank in World War Two. Oh, really? Yeah, his his tank was the third third tank across the Remagen in the Battle of the Bulge, and that was your dad's was. Yeah, yeah. So he was like that guy, that generation, that yeah. guy had yeah. the. Did he have stories? A lot of those guys didn't talk much about. Oh, the he war. never talked about it Isn't unless he had five drinks in him. He would never say anything about it. So we only got a couple of stories from him. Why do you think that is? Who wants to remember? Who yeah. wants to remember starving, drinking potato vodka in the middle of Germany in 1945? <laughs> you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's almost like, yeah. That's uh, I, I guess that was that generation's approach to PTSD. You just yeah. don't do it. Don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I don't want to think about it. Right. I remember my mom going to. Uh, she would always go to photo exhibits, and we went to one that had Depression era. Part. She went. I lived through that. I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yep. Did he? Did he have? Uh, did he win medals? Did he get? Uh, for yeah, medals? yeah, yeah. He did. I, I can't imagine. Why. I, I don't know. I don't have any direct experience. With well, people. the most interesting thing about him was that he didn't start there. He 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 enlisted in thirty nine uh-huh. in the cavalry because there was still a cavalry horses horses trained his own horse. Uh huh. And uh, they disbanded it in 40, 41, I think, yeah. And he was a tank commander? And they threw him into a tank, which he hated so much. I can't, I, I can't even fucking imagine. I can't even. Have you done any any war movies? Um, Where you had to like get into that zone? No, I always wanted to. Never never got a chance to. Yeah, because like, I just, like, if you really think about it empathetically, you know, what some of those guys have gone through, mm-hmm. you know, in these machines that... Oh, my God. I can't fucking imagine it. So yeah. what did you talk to Pitt about? Well, about, I just said, what did you, how did you feel in there? He said, yeah. I stayed in there all day. I loved it in there. Oh, really? <laughs> he said, I would eat lunch in there. <laughs> but he just wanted to absorb the whole thing because he's a really smart guy. And he's a he, great actor. And he, he immerses himself in whatever he's doing. So he knows all about it. But he's sort of surprising with the kind of like in that one Coen Brothers were the burn after reading that that character was insanely funny mm-hmm. that he played. Oh yeah. And did you see the new Tarantino? Um, uh, it's this week. My wife and I are going this week. And have you worked with him? Tarantino? No. Uh, no. Would you like to? Oh sure. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah. Who are the Who are the big hopes? Did Scorsese? Uh, I, I don't really have a hope because it's all for me. It's all script driven. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're a great director, you're doing a shitty script. I don't want to do it. I heard I had Erwin Winkler in here. Yeah. yeah. And I I like that movie, that Guilty yeah. by Suspicion. Oh yeah, I thought it was a good movie. And you did the other uh, Blacklist movie too, huh? Trumbo. Did you, Trumbo. Did you... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jay Roach. He's he's great. Yeah. I just did his Roger Ailes movie. That is not out yet. Oh, that's right. I talked to somebody else who was in that. How's yeah. it? How's it feel? That was great. Really. Fun. Is it gonna? Is it gonna deliver a punch? Is it a? Is it? A, I hope so. I'm gonna. Uh, is it a comedic slant or is no, it straight no, no, up? No, no, it's a straight up, and and I'm I'm hoping to see it fairly soon. I'm also seeing another movie I did, uh, Seberg, uh, um, with who? Gene Seberg, um, with uh, Kristen, yeah, uh, playing her, and it was that was a really nice experience. Yeah. Yeah. And and now okay, so 
are you excited about the Emmy possibly the nomination? You know, the the most fun you can have is the first two days when people you haven't heard from for a while say, "You got an Emmy nom. Yeah. That's fantastic." But just the nom is the the thing for me. The nomination yeah. is is the win. And yeah, you've got them before? Oh, never. This is it. Never. Ne- no. Far away from it as possible. But so that was fun for the first two days and now it's, you know, we're we're doing this to promote it and <laughs> you know, but it's 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 great. Yeah. And and as as Hater says, you know, it's that maybe we'll get another season out of it. That's the best thing that could happen. That's right. Yeah. And what do you do for like what are your do you, have you kept any of those hobbies? Do you still shoot pictures? What's your what's your thing that you do for fun? Uh, you got a boat? Like you do. Yeah. I do a lot of album stuff. I I love I like that. Album do you go stuff. out and buy them and stuff? I yeah. go out and buy them. I don't do the internet thing cuz no. I like to feel the product. Do you go out to uh do you go to the guys in uh, Highland Park over here that I go to yeah, give me records? Yeah, I haven't been there for a while. Yeah. Um I I whenever I go I'm shooting Travel, somewhere like yeah. I went in North Carolina I shot something and da, da, da. I go to the local record stores there and hunt and yeah. it's fun it is fun have you been to Indiana there's a couple places the problem with the fucking record stores a lot of times is that because of the internet they all know what they have yeah so yeah you know, you have to be in an area where you have to find albums that are important to you that sure. might not be collectible. It's not that I'm looking for deals, but it is kind of fun no, to find. No, but a you're thing. you're not going to find a butcher cover, you know. No, no, of course in, not. In Tennessee for five dollars. No, not unless you find it in a garage somewhere. Exactly. But I, there's a good one in Indiana called Landlock Records in okay. Bloomington. Okay. And they've just got they've got the racks on top, but then underneath there's just hundreds. Yeah. And the records like you know I, I'll buy a Skinnerd record, you know, like right. records that I like, but nobody gives a fuck about. Yeah. 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 Or, or, or you know the do you know the Motors from, from about eighty eighty one? I new, don't. New new. Oh, anyway. Good. You know, so stuff like that. That you means know, something stuff to that you. Means something to you. Yeah. That when you were in in New York and you bought their forty five that came out and you went oh I want to have that. That. Yeah. Who are your big bands? Do you love the Beatles? Yeah, yeah. I've always been a huge Beatles fan, yeah. but all the whole British Invasion thing. Oh, the yeah. Who, the King, the Kinks are Kinks probably are great. Oh my God, they're my favorite. I just picked up that Muswell Hillbilly. Oh, what a great album! Oh, it's great. Great album. You can find those around. Yep. Probably twenty, thirty. Yeah, bucks. I still got my original. You do? Yes, sir. Well, it was great talking to you, man. Thanks, man. It was really fun. And I hope the well, I hope you win it. That'd be exciting. That would be nice. But uh, you know, Anthony Kerrigan, brilliant. Henry, brilliant. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And Tony. Shalhoub is one of my heroes, and yeah, so I've talked is, to him. He's great. Yeah, and Alan. Alan is that Alan. who the other guys are? Yeah, they're they're wow. like legends. So I don't, I don't hold any great hopes, but uh, I was happy to be included. Did you own your own tux? I do own my own tux. That's yeah, good. I've got a nice tux that I can wear. I don't know. Yeah, oh, we'll well, that's nice. Maybe you know, it'd be nice to get that up on stage. Well, I mean, this is the greatest thing is that your wife gets a new dress. So there it <laughs> a is, a new dress. And you know, it actually, I you know, I did have the experience of. You know, going to one of these award shows because by some fluke I was nominated for a SAG award. Awesome, but it was—it's nice to go to those things and see everybody. Isn't it is. It? It's so pleasant. It's like you know, this is your community. Yeah, and you never see everybody. Never see anybody. And then you can be like, hey, yeah, it was great. Well, have fun, man. Thanks, man. You yeah. too. That was me and Stephen Root. Nice guy. Glad I got to talk to him about some things. I love that guy's work. Um, he, again, he's nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series for his role in HBO's Barry. And now, some guitar. I swear, I'm gonna I'm gonna string up my strat and I'm gonna clean it up. I'm just not there yet.
Boomer lives.